0: Welcome to the second season of Our Triune Pod. We are still preparing you to praise. Join me, the Reverend Nick Comiskey, and the Reverend Bendy Hart for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the Psalms. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time.
1: trying oh i thought i was doing
0: that <laughs> uh, let's just keep it man it's funny people need to know that we're human you know we do this in one take we don't edit it and sometimes you got to let the rough edges show so Hi. ben uh happy ash wednesday oh fat tuesday <laughs> ash wednesday eve how are you man
1: i'm great getting ready to eat a lot of pancakes do you guys do a shrove tuesday thing at your church uh, not here at the Cathedral Church of the Advent, which is uh, a little bit surprising, as we're quite closer to New Orleans. But uh, at Calvary Saint George's, man, we we did it every single year, and there was bacon, there was maybe pancakes, it's too maybe it's too alcohol. close to
0: the, the Romans, uh, you know, to, uh, yeah, to let's yeah, right. robe Tuesday. You're probably right. You have any good Lent memories for us before we jump into uh,
1: the Psalm for Ash Wednesday, Psalm 51? Any any Lent memories? <laughs> I think I just have always felt like an imposter when it comes to Lent. Um, I mean, my dad's Catholic, and he would sort of kind of observe Lent. But growing up in an evangelical world, you just didn't do anything. And it really wasn't until we went to that church plant uh, in college where I really thought of and observed Lent. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I was self-consciously trying not to be too into it because I didn't want to be one of those like converts that was like, oh, yeah, everyone else, we should have been doing Lent our whole lives. Um, but I mean, honestly, it's probably because I'm, uh, such a, a gospel guy that, uh, yeah, you're just not very good at at
0: spiritual disciplines. (laughs) Yeah. You're really bad at spiritual disciplines. Uh, I'm very, I'm very good at them. So no, I've noticed I'm, I'm terrible. Um, no, I mean, my, one of my strongest memories, maybe this is a very recent memory, but last year during Lent, um, it was during that crazy ice storm in Texas.
1: That's right. So our
0: Ash Wednesday service was like on Zoom uh, because it was, everything was completely frozen. We couldn't get in Yeah, there. That's yeah.
1: right. You were, you were pretty, uh, you, you didn't have much sleep and we had to take down that episode because of <laughs> something you said about Ted Cruz. Hey, <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, I, I, that year I didn't give up swearing for Lent. And so one of the episodes uh, needed to be taken down, um, yeah. which I think was a good call. Um, but anyway. Um, All right, man. Well, it's Psalm 51 uh, is what we're going to do this week. There's what is, I didn't even know the Psalm appointed for the first Sunday of Lent, but for the pod this week, we're going to do Psalm 51, which is the centerpiece of the Ash Wednesday service in a lot of ways. So I'll read verses one through 18, which is what we read. Ben, let's, how about I read one through nine and then you read 10 through 18. No,
1: it's it's just a lot.
0: It's just a lot. All right. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness and your great compassion blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner. From my mother's womb, for behold, you look for truth deep within me, and you will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin, and I shall be pure. Wash me, and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness, that the body you have broken may rejoice.
1: Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. CAST ME NOT AWAY FROM YOUR PRESENCE, AND TAKE NOT YOUR HOLY SPIRIT FROM ME. GIVE ME THE JOY OF YOUR SAVING HEALTH AGAIN, AND SUSTAIN ME WITH YOUR BOUNTIFUL SPIRIT. I SHALL TEACH YOUR WAYS TO THE WICKED, AND SINNERS SHALL RETURN TO YOU. DELIVER ME FROM DEATH, O GOD, AND MY TONGUE SHALL SING OF YOUR RIGHTEOUSNESS, O GOD OF MY SALVATION. OPEN MY LIPS, O LORD, AND MY mouth SHALL PROCLAIM YOUR PRAISE. HAD YOU DESIRED IT, I WOULD HAVE OFFERED SACRIFICE but you take no delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Beautiful psalm. What do you make of it, Nick? I thought you were going to have the, uh What do I make? <laughs> Wow. Um, well, you know, it. the,
0: it's really those final verses now. Uh, I think, well, let's start with here, man. Um, I think some of our listeners are probably well-versed in the context that surrounds Psalm 51, but not everyone necessarily. So Psalm 51 is written, David, this the writer wrote it in response to the prophet Nathan um, confronting him over David's sin when David did a number of things wrong. He had an affair with Bathsheba uh that in and of itself was wrong and then what was Bathsheba's husband's name I forget oh crap yeah not Naaman.
1: I can't remember yeah but just say it
0: (laughs) and then um he David had Bathsheba's husband killed in order to cover up David's adultery once it was discovered that he had impregnated Bathsheba so it was treachery upon treachery upon treachery and when david was confronted by for his sin by the prophet nathan he he offered to god the sacrifice of a troubled spirit um and yeah so the context of this psalm the psalm of repentance um is is great sin and so when david is saying you know i've been wicked from my birth a sinner from my mother's womb Um, You are justified when you speak, you are upright in your judgment. God, it is saying in essence, like that isn't a rhetorical or poetic performance. He is in Mm -hmm. touch with his real, real brokenness that was destroying people's lives. So that's what comes to my mind immediately about Psalm 51 is the the context that surrounds
1: it. Yeah. This is more than giving up chocolate or, uh, you know, talking about how you talk back to your mom which I'm not saying is a good thing, but when he says, "Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin, he, I mean, he's talking about one, adultery, which is one of the 10 commandments and two, essentially by extension murder by having her husband killed. Uh, This is a huge deal. And, you know, he acts all kind of innocent of it. And then Nathan, you know, gives him that kind of parable, which reveals the king of Israel has done this great sin. And you know, the king is the anointed one. The king is, you know, that Messiah really means king. And what's wild about all this is that we still have such a very high view of David, despite his you know, great sins. Um, but I think for those of us, for for you and me, who are not hypothetical sinners, but who have, you know, really done some bad things too, like we. We've betrayed um, people that we've loved, and I'm including you, dear listener, uh, whether you like it or not. So that's why we all say this psalm of repentance together. Wash us from our wickedness. Uh, we've been wicked from our mother's womb, and it's not just like an art, I'm sorry. It's a verse 8, purge me from my sin, and I shall be pure. Wash me, and I shall be clean indeed. So there's a dependence on God. You, you have to purge me, wash me. I, you know, I'm such a piece of work, um, please. Uh, but but there is that expectation of, of deliverance of again, being made clean, creating me a clean heart. Oh God. Um, so yeah, I mean, this isn't the way I oftentimes hear Lent talked about, uh, of this kind of recognition of our great shortcomings. Uh, and maybe maybe that's okay. Uh, maybe it's fine to talk about what we're going to take on. And historically, we have talked about it in terms of fasting from something or other. But um, yeah, I think this psalm is just kind of way more weighty than mm. all that. Yeah.
0: Um, I think, you know, I think the most troubling to if, if think of this psalm as a psalm, but in my mind, knowing the context, one of the most confusing and on the surface problematic verses is, uh, verse four, when David says against you only Mm -hmm. have I sinned in light of what I just shared that no, what David did is he, uh, had an affair with Bathsheba and like all the power dynamics and that, you know, he's the King. He just meets, sees this woman bathing on a rooftop and decides he has to have her. And then Uriah, that's her husband's name, you know, for Uriah is this loyal servant of David, a man of great integrity. And David, creates a scenario where Uriah is killed in battle. David, in, in essence, murders him um, in order to cover up his sin. So not, you know, so David sinned horizontally in some profound ways, <laughs> but he makes this statement in Psalm 51 verse four against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And I think what we have to ask here is what did David mean by that? Because I don't mm-hmm. think what David is saying is all that matters is that I broke God's law and abstraction. David is acutely aware of the consequences of his sin. You can read about it in the psalm, uh, or sorry, in second Kings, I believe is where this text or the context of this text is. Um, and I think what, I think what is happening here is something that the Bible teaches us at the very beginning in Genesis chapter three, you know, what sin is ultimately about and what it means to be a sinner is, is fundamentally about choosing to be your own God. You know, I, it's deciding for yourself what is right and wrong, um, and not allowing God's word or God's law to shape your life and outlook. You're basically saying, I'm a better judge of what is good for me than the God who made me. And David, you know, that is what sin is. You know, it's, it's very alluring and it's, it's some feels almost inevitable, but when you are transgressing God's law, you are saying in essence, I'm a better judge of what is good for me. God himself. And so David, by saying, I, against you only have I sinned, he's, I think what he's saying is not that I haven't hurt Bathsheba or Uriah. I think he's saying what ultimately my problem is, is that I believe I'm a better judge of what's good for me than God himself. And so therefore it's against you only have I sinned. It's that basic decision that caused the wreckage in tons of people's lives. And I think that's true for us, even unless, much less dramatic ways, you know, it's very easy to list the horizontal consequences of our sins. But I think us as late modern people struggle to think, you know, struggle to verticalize our sin. I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking of my own experience here. But I think what we, I think what the Bible teaches us is that, yeah, sin ultimately is about this. It's in some ways, it's a theological category error. We kind of put ourselves in God's place and say, I want to be like God. And shape for myself what is right and wrong, and uh, therefore, no matter what the sin is, and no matter how grievous and 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 real the consequences of it are, ultimately it is against you only, God, that I have sinned and done what
1: is evil in your sight. How does that idea? Does that idea work yeah, for you? Yeah, kind of. Like I mean, it's different, but I mean, John Calvin talks about how the human heart is, you know, a, an idle factory. We just kind of make things. Um, constantly and put them in place of God. But yeah, there does seem to be kind of a connect between that and what you're saying of uh, uh, yeah, my, I'm predisposed for whatever reasons, I guess original sin uh, to think that I know better than God. And I mean, th- I think a lot of that's about control and that we're finite beings and we want things to be a certain way and that we act on them and, and we don't actually trust God. Um, And that's why I do really do like that. There is that like, Lord, you're going to have to create a new heart, Uh, renew that spirit within me, because I mean, when when crises happen, uh, I go straight to knowing better, not even when crises happen, just when I'm bored um, and I just kind of want to do what I want to do. Yeah, no, totally straight there.
0: Yeah, I, I, might, I don't think I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of this somewhat on the fly, but I think what I, I think ultimately believe, and I don't know if I'm able to make a persuasive argument here, but I actually think verticalizing sin is the, is the doorway into freedom because, you know, like in second Corinthians seven, Paul draws this very important distinction between what he calls godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. He says, worldly sorrow brings death. But godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. And I think the problem when you don't verticalize sin, when you only, when you are solely caught up in the horizontal consequences, is that you just get so mired in your own subjectivity. You know, your guilt becomes this prison and you don't have the key for it. But when you verticalize your sin and you recognize, you know, ultimately what my problem is, is that I think I'm a better judge of what's good for me than God himself. Then I think in some ways by bringing God into the conversation and being reminded of God's unconditional positive regard for you, the way that God is moving towards you in Jesus Christ, the way that God is for you, despite your predisposition to count yourself as a better judge of what is good for you than he is, I think in some ways by verticalizing sin, you're opening the doorway into the gospel. Whereas if you're stuck in the kind of worldly sorrow of, I'm a terrible person and I'm hurting all these other people, of course, that can be a good thing to recognize that. But I think that can be a way in which you just get caught in your own subjectivity and become a prisoner of your own sense of failure. And like that, that just doesn't, move the ball forward in, in, in any way,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's a way toward, you know, yeah. The gospel, like you said, that kind of reminds me, it's kind of the same, but a little different, but just like little sins that we do, where we like steal this little thing, we take this thing, they don't need it anyway. Or we tell little lies that maybe even no one's ever going to find out. Um, for me, it's just like, when I think of sin as a sin against God as much as it is or more than a sin against this person it might make me think twice about taking what's not mine <laughs> um
0: yeah no totally yeah yeah i don't so, want to i'm i hope i'm not i'm not trying to say that what it does to other people doesn't matter of course it matters of and course of course
1: you know, we yeah. make reconciliation and yeah. restitution but I'm i not, think yeah Yeah. just to piggyback on what you're saying that well, we subjectivize it or we um, you know make put ourselves in as we know better than god sometimes we might just uh like, well, you know, if sin is just against this person, this isn't going to hurt them. In fact, yeah. yeah maybe yeah. this lie might help them. Uh, totally. Or maybe this, you know, totally. taking this away from them, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can see this. I don't, I don't know. I want to choose my words carefully here because I'm not particularly qualified to talk about this. But I, you can see this this dynamic in, my, in some ways kind of seep into some like white liberal conversation. And I'm like a white liberal in this context about race, where you can make white people like it's almost like you are devaluing the agency and dignity of our black brothers and sisters by making your conception of racism like the number one obstacle like as you know what i mean you can make you can almost almost like over determine your i I don't know does that make sense am i am i am i going too far here (laughs) of course of course i believe in racism and guilt and like i'm not in any way saying that that stuff does not matter but i guess i'm around some some folks who uh, can be, are so convinced of their own complicity in a way that is almost subtly saying, like, your, my guilt is greater than your ability to create a, a dignified, good life for yourself and your family does that make like it's almost like you're kind of making yourself the enemy and that's almost the main point of the story that you know what i mean i feel like mm. i don't know maybe i'm not talking maybe i should just stop talking about this no.
1: <laughs> yeah but now i mean connected to this song um uh, yeah i know sometimes i see what you're talking about and like you know maybe these are different people people kind of whipping themselves yeah exactly, um, but, exactly. but yeah but it stays there it doesn't go where this psalm does it's like yeah, for it, it really is repentance. Um, so I don't know if that really helps you. Yeah, no, it just got, I mean,
0: there's, I just think there's such thing as worldly sorrow that leads to death and it's, it's a hard thing. It's a wisdom question. It's not, there's not a, you can't proof text your way into that, but there is, there's a good sorrow. There's a good guilt. And Ash Wednesday, it's about cultivating that good sorrow and that good guilt, but not all sorrow is good. And not all guilt Mm -hmm. leads to life. And I think, you know, you have to stay tethered to the scriptures and to the life of the church and wise pastors and brothers and sisters in Christ who can help you, but you got to be able to discern is this, is this vertical gospel guilt or is this like some weird self gratifying cultivation of my own, whatever that just leads to nothing, you know, that leads to nowhere good
1: Mm -hmm. at least, but yeah. Yeah, no, kind of reminds me of some of the posts I was seeing about the Ukraine, which I'm all about saying it for the Ukrainian people and against this war, et cetera. But, you know, enough of the selfies with you in some square and it's about you. And that, that kind of reminds me of this. Bro, have you
0: seen that photo, though, of the, of the Ukrainian gentleman hugging the crucifixion? In, like, yeah, the I square. did. Oh, oh so, yeah.
1: So powerful. That's so, yeah. we
0: should, we should, we should put that in a, yeah, we should, like, we should gram that. That'd be a great,
1: uh, that'd be great content great content lord make a way out of no way in that situation all right i'm going to read the first nine verses this time again. Okay. have mercy on me O god according to your loving kindness in your great compassion blot out my offenses wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin for i know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you only have i sinned and done what is evil in your sight and so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. For behold, you look for truth deep within me and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins
0: and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. I shall teach your ways to the wicked, and sinners shall return to you. Deliver me from death, O God, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness, O God of my salvation. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise Had you desired it, I would have offered sacrifice, but you take no delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise.
1: How about that episode of Our trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.